It's, it's not a thing. Eating, eating breakfast is not a thing for Noah. So I'm like, this is easy. And you know what? I'm like, this surgery's late, and knowing my family, something will happen, and we'll stay over. I've stayed over at CHOP many times uh, with my family for days and days and days, especially with Noah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to be a good dad. If I get a good workout in now, I'm going to be all right. Like, no matter what happens, I'm just in a better mood when I work out. So I'll get my workout in. I just get on this beautiful exercise to my buds. I don't know, something, watch some World Cup or something. And then um, Noah will wake up. He'll come downstairs. We'll just chit-chat because he never eats me. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Noah sneaks down the stairs while I've got my earbuds in, does not come running to me like he always does, goes over to the advent calendar and eats a chocolate. And I'm thinking, it's all right. It's one chocolate. I'm not going to tell Chop. I feel like, you know, I don't think people, anyone, no one needs to know about this. <laughs> it's like a guy secret thing, you know what I mean? And I'm sitting there, and, I, and, I, and then it's my time to pray, because I always spend a couple minutes in prayer, and I'm praying, and I feel like Jesus is like, nope, that's not a thing, Dan. Uh, <laughs> so I called Chop. I'm like, this won't be a thing. That's going to be all right, Noah. And then Chop's like, oh, yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> Surgery's canceled. Right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I'm so excited uh, to have you here with our families today. Uh, it's such a blessing, um, because I think... A lot of our families uh, during the Christmas season are, are in challenging times in their lives, and we, we don't like to admit that. Um, but, but all of us are, are in that kind of mix. And what I love about your story is that you, um, you've learned how to welcome God and discover God, actually, in the midst of real trial. Um, can you tell us, what do you think is the secret to having this relationship with God in the midst of those tough times in life, like, like in your own journey? I think the secret to finding God in the midst of trials is to continue your prayer life. And everybody has a different way of expressing themselves through prayer. And it's funny, like in the midst of all these families coming in and out for this session, um, you know, it, it reminds me like we're all in a busy world and we're all in a busy space and we're all in a space where we need to, to be loved and loving uh, in the midst of a lot of craziness. And then our interactions with other people too, whether it be family, spouse, friends, people that we go to church with, is that remember that all around us that there's people who need us. People need to know not only that, that God loves them, but so do we. That's my message. Good can come out of this. <laughs> Let me just call my wife. I'm sure she'll see it that way. <laughs> God has a wonderful plan for this moment. She loves Jesus. It's going to be okay. Joanne was not okay. <laughs> she had taken off from work. I had taken off from work. She made all these sacrifices to move that appointment up, and we flew it. And you know, my wife was mad at me. And like, I'm kind of mad at Noah. <laughs> you know? And she's like, the one thing I asked you to do, and you, you didn't do it. And I wanted to be like, yeah, but you have no idea, blah, 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 blah. And it wasn't good. And praise Jesus, um, I had to go run an errand real quick after she got back. Praise God that I was not in the house super long with my wife. Uh, and I mean that. And Because I, I, I was actually really upset. So I'm like, well, you think I don't care about my kid? Are you kidding me? And, uh, and I had to run this errand, and I drove past the church, and there's this uh, statue of Mary behind the church that's just been a a special place for me to pray. I've made some big decisions in my life with that little statue. 
uh, behind the church. Uh, some of you probably know where it is. Uh, if you walk up to the front door of the church, just go around to the right. It's in the back. And, uh, and so, I, you know what? I'm like, I'll pull in there. And I start talking to Our Lady. And so I talk, I'm just talking to Our Lady. And you know what? It hit me as I'm sitting there. I'm being dead honest. Like, Mary was pretty holy. Joseph's pretty holy. I'm not as holy as them. And they didn't, weren't always on the same page. They weren't always on the same page. And yet they both always chose God, and God put them on the same page. And I realized, you know what? I don't even need to be on the same page with my spouse. Like, it can be a mess, and God can make good come out of it. And when I came home, I could have fought for something, right? I could have fought for one of two things. I could have fought to be right. Well, I was, I was working out because then I could blah, 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 and my son should know better. I could fight for that fight. Or I could fight for a relationship. Which means sucking up my pride, admitting my mistakes, being at peace with maybe other people, like my six-year-old not accepting his mistake, and um, doing what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus, in that moment, could have chosen to be right. If you are the Son of God, come down from that cross. Okay. <laughs> peace. And you can all go to hell. And he's the only person who could say it, and it would be right. And he stays on that cross unjustly and chooses a relationship with us instead. How many times do we choose being right and we choose being, you know, justly being right instead of a relationship? But Christmas and, and following Jesus Christ is about choosing a relationship instead of being right. And I think if you and I want to have a merry Christmas, you know, that really honors good coming out of the bad and love in the midst of hate and imperfections and flaws, we have to choose relationship instead of being right. We have to choose relationship. And if we choose being right, maybe we're right about what would make the perfect Christmas, the white picket fence Christmas, the Hallmark Christmas, but I think we'll miss relationships. And, and I don't want to sound dramatic, but I think that's when bad things happen in marriages. I think that's when bad things happen between parents and kids. And I think sometimes those become the Christmas memories. And like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be responsible for that Christmas memory. That's right. And I believe also that taking that a step forward is loving and caring for the marginalized. Obviously, that was a book that I wrote. Mm. And loving and caring for the marginalized are people that are in our lives every day. Could be our spouse, like I said, our children. But there's always going to be somebody who needs to know that they're supported. There's so many people that don't have the love and support that they deserve. And that's where we come in, when we can be Christ to them. A friend of mine, and, then, and I'm gonna invite a friend of mine to come up and share her story in a minute. Um, Anne is just awesome, and she's got a great book you should check out. Um, it's, it's awesome, and I'm so glad that she's here. She really came as a favor to me, because I thought this was the perfect match for you guys. Um, but I have another friend who's uh, dealing with tragedy. His spouse just passed away. He's got little kids. You know what he needs this Christmas? He needs God. Like some meals would help, babysitting would help, but do you know what he needs? He needs God. I don't know what else heals that. And I feel like everything else is like a Crayola Band-Aid. And all of us, whether it's this Christmas or some future Christmas, are going to be in a situation where we need God. We need the actual gift of Christmas. 
God in imperfect circumstances, to be able to cope and carry on. And so this Christmas, like, make sure that you're welcoming God in the midst of that stuff. I, I think the best thing you're going to give your kids this Christmas is God. My friend, I, I don't know how much he has God in his life. I don't think that's a big feature in his life. It sure would be great if he had God in his life in a powerful way way before this happened. Sure would be great. And I think the same thing's true for you and I. And all of us are going to deal with tragedy. And the question is, is will we do it with God or without him? And Christmas, the manger scene tells us that God specializes in love in the midst of imperfect circumstances. Amen? What I love about your book is that uh, you remember that the marginalized aren't just somebody out there in a third world country or in an inner city situation that's kind of broken. Um, the, the, the marginalized are all around us. The marginalized are in our own homes. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the marginalized can be our own children. In fact, all of us ourselves, like we often feel marginalized. Um, and Jesus Christ reminds us in Matthew's gospel to clothe the naked, uh, to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty. But he also reminds us to welcome the stranger and that when we do that, we welcome him. And all of us have felt like the stranger, all of us. Uh, and, and I think as Catholics, we need to recognize that God has work for us to do right here, right now in the midst of our own families. My conversion, I think all of us have a conversion at some point, meaning some event that happened in our lives which made us turn around and think, my faith really is important to me. It's not something that I do just because I have to or because my, my mother wants the kids to go through prep or something. Um, this was a long time ago, back in 1999, when something happened to me that really changed my life. And what that was, was I had given birth to my second child. Her name is Sean. And she was born and everything went well with the delivery. But I guess it was maybe about a month or two after the delivery, I started to not feel well physically. I knew that something was wrong. I didn't know what it was, but I was having some breathing issues. I went to the doctor and they weren't really sure what it was. They thought it was something like allergies or maybe even depression that was causing like that shortness of breath. I knew something was wrong. Have you ever, that ever happened to any of you where you go to the doctor and you know right away that there's just something not right? And she asked me, have you ever smoked? Different questions, and I say no. And, but I walked out of there and I thought, you know, something isn't right. My baby was now about two months old. And when I got back to the house, the phone rang, and it was the doctor's office. And they said, you need to get, go to see the cardiologist tomorrow. They want to see you right away. And so, okay, I'll go to the cardiologist, not knowing what to expect at all. As um, soon as I walked into the room, first thing that the doctor said to me, and when we hear these words, we, never, we know it's never a good thing. Um, there's no easy way to say this. So I knew that something bad is going to come here, and I was kind of bracing myself. He said, take the baby, give the baby to your husband. You shouldn't be carrying anything. He said, you have a rare disease. It's called peripartum cardiomyopathy. I was devastated, and I walked out of there thinking, what do I do? I mean, I have a two-year-old and a baby, and I want to live. I don't want to die. And that was probably one of the most profound moments of my life when I just, 
My faith was nominal at the time. I was a person who, I, I wasn't at Mass every week. I wasn't praying all that much. I prayed when I needed something, and I think we've all been there at some point. I called my mom. I think that's what we do sometimes when we don't know what to do, right? And my mom said something very wise. And admittedly, at the time, my mom was not really all that much practicing her faith. She was kind of just like me, sort of nominal in her faith. And she gave me probably the best advice that I've ever had. And it really made an impact on me, even to this day, and probably why I'm here with you, is she told me to call my church. And I did. I called the church. It's probably the first time I ever called the church for something really personal, other than like something that was more like, I don't want to say business related, but something that just had to be done. And I said, uh, the priest actually picked up the phone, and this was kind of before the age of all of the answering, you know, when you call in all the voicemail, press one, press two. He picked up the phone, so that was kind of nice that the, the priest picked up the phone immediately. And I told him my story. I said, listen, I just came from the, or got some terrible news from my doctor's office. I have a heart condition and I have a baby. I, I want to live. Can you come pray with me or do something? Because I don't know what to do. I love that. And the fact that when you talked about this before is that Christmas and Advent, it's not meant for perfection. Mm. It's meant for us to await the coming of Christ, not only for the whole world, but to us personally. Yeah. And I know that's part of your mission personally, yeah, Catholic. Is. But yes, Christ loves us so much, and he wants us to bring that to others, and that's, that really is, I think, our greatest calling. And this good priest came over within 15 minutes, which was wonderful. He got to the house, and he took out his black prayer book. Now, admittedly, I didn't know, this is where I was in my faith, I didn't even know that much about the sacrament of the sick. I thought it was last rites, and I'm sure that you all are aware of that, that sacrament. But it's not just the sacrament that you receive when you're ready to die. It's something that you can receive when you need to find healing and you need some strength for the journey. This was the first time I ever received it. Really, I've had it again after that for other things, but first time. Took out his black prayer book, he prayed with me. And I had never heard these prayers, but they were beautiful. And he anointed me. And I cried and I said, listen, I've I don't ask God for that much. I said, but I don't want to die. I said, whatever you can do to keep me alive. You know, as I said, I was nominal in my faith, meaning, you know, it was something I did because I kind of felt I had to, not something that was really in my heart, something that I did because, I mean, Dan was a great, dem demonstrated so well to us real faith, isn't it? He's a man of real faith. And I wasn't even near, near there at that point in my life, no, nowhere near. I don't think my trust in God was there, but I was told that this disease had no absolute cure. Some people actually have to get heart transplants from it. And when I went back to the technician, she's giving me the test, she's doing the echocardiogram, and she's saying, I can't believe, she goes, I'm not supposed to say anything, she said, but things are looking good. And I said, what? What? <laughs> and um, she actually started to cry. She started to cry. She says, I've never seen any, a bigger change than this in just a couple weeks, you know. And um, 
So I, I left feeling great. Now she said, now remember, I can't confirm any of this because I'm not supposed to confirm any of this until we talk to the doctor. Well, I got home that day and the phone rang as soon as I walked in the house. And it was the doctor. And the technician was actually right there and they were on speakerphone together. I'll never forget this. You know, you know those moments that you just never forget? There's those top 10 moments in your life that you'll say, this was it. This was like one of the best days of my life. It was confirmed. And the doctor said, yes, you know, we got the results back. You, the, actually, the size of the ventricle has shrunk down. You had, your heart was enlarged. The left ventricle has gone down to its, pretty much its normal size. Because um, as long as within the next six months to a year, you stay normal, he said, you're going to live a long life. <laughs> and, you know, that was just a, a beautiful, wonderful day. And that wasn't the end of my journey, right? Because life isn't, like, like Dan said, I'm looking at this manger scene and the Band-Aid story. Life wasn't perfect even after that. But one thing it did give me was my faith. And as Dan said, it's not the presence, the perfection. It's not what other people think of us. It's not even whether our lives are perfect every, at every moment, at every time. But it's that faith that we got to hold on to, right? And so that's what it gave me back. And not only did that day and that healing give me back my faith, but my husband came around too because we were both nominal in our faith at that time. And both of my kids, I have two beautiful daughters, they're now in their 20s and they love their faith. And so it really kind of blossomed into something great. That's right, the church is a field hospital as our Holy Father has alluded to so many times, Pope Francis is that we're part of that mission. Mm. And for myself, when you were talking about my healing journey before, yes. is that my healing journey really became more deep when I decided personally that I wanted to be involved in helping to make the world a better place. You know, it's possible, yeah. right? That's part of what it means to be Catholic, is really getting out there. The word Catholic means universal. Mm. To care about the human family on a whole, isn't it? And I like that, that message or that idea of a field hospital and that, because that, I feel sometimes like in my house, I'm at a field hospital <laughs> and, and that we should feel that way, that there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, that, that we live in a broken world. We live with people who feel marginalized and who are marginalized and with, around people that we need to love. And it's so funny, that's such an important message at Christmas because that's what the manger is. It's very imperfect circumstances. It's like a field hospital. And God comes into that manger, which is, it's just a food trough. Like, that was, it's not a crib, it's not this beautiful thing. It was a place that the, the animals, the livestock were eating out of. And it was the best place that Mary had to put Jesus. And, and that was enough, it was enough for God. Life was pretty good for a while for me. But, and all of us have had, our children all go through tough times just like we do, don't they? Well, that happened to me and to my, my younger daughter. It was the same daughter that was the baby that, um, as some people referred to, that have the disease that I had. They call them their heart baby. So peripartum cardiomyopathy, again, the disease, she was my heart baby. But she was 10 years old, and she was going through pretty severe emotional problems, depression, and some anxiety. And it was hard to talk about. Now, it's easier for me to talk about now, right? Because that, that was more than 10, 12 years ago. But it was very hard then, very hard, because every day was, it was a struggle. Every day was hard. She was 
going through things. She was in therapy. She was being seen by doctors and things like that too, but there was a spiritual component as well. And I did the same thing that I did with my heart. I called my church this time. This time I was connected with my church, right? And we, we were prayed over. My daughter was prayed over. Um, it wasn't a magic wand. I mean, she wasn't, it wasn't, she was better all right away. It took time, it took about a year or two before things were better. Um, but there was an aftermath for me after that, is that my daughter got better, but I started to go through my own depression. I had never been a person who had suffered with that before. But people, being around people started to be very difficult. Being in circumstances with lots of people who seemed happy or, you know, maybe even like a Christmas party or something. You feel like the odd man out when you're there and everybody's having a great time and you just feel out of place. And I think things were catching up to me in my life from the past, things that I had been through. So when my, I was healed of my heart condition, there were still some layers of healing that I needed in my life. And I'm sure Dan has talked to you all about healing, right? Healing is something that takes time, isn't it? What I'm trying to say here is that God has a plan for you, okay? God has a plan for you no matter what. Because what happened with me, just to kind of show you where that led to, was I found a new spiritual director and I found this foundation that I'm working for now. So how did God work? Is getting involved in ministry. And not everyone's called to ministry, but the ministry has helped me to take what I learned about myself and about healing and about bringing that peace not only to me but to other people because that's a lot of times where that healing comes is when we can when we can give that to other people so becoming involved in ministry and finding the new spiritual director with the religious order that I represent the St. Raymond Anatus Foundation and the Mercedarian Religious Order was one way that God was able not only to help me to heal but my healing came because now I'm able to help other people. And I think really that that's where healing comes in for all of us. During this Advent season, you might not be working for a nonprofit, but you have a friend or a neighbor or a mother or a father or your child or your spouse or somebody that you know, maybe they're here at this church. Maybe it's somebody in this room. Maybe there's somebody in this room that's going through a challenging, challenging time. You can be Christ to them by being a good listener, by caring, by loving, by praying. But I think the most important thing is, Dan said this, that they know God loves them, but even more importantly, I would say to all of you, let them know that not only does God love them, but so do you. And honestly, I think that's where God comes in. We are body of Christ. We can help bring healing to other people by loving them, by listening, by active listening. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on those people that you have decided that they're not your friend anymore or that something's going on with their life that you just don't know what to, how to fix. Keep praying for them and keep doing your best. So I, I love what, what Anne said about, I, I think it's your cross or your suffering that made you a healer. Yes. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. It's his cross or his suffering that made him a healer. And I think as parents, especially around Christmas, we want to rush away the suffering. 
because we think that's the best thing for our kids, but it's really carrying our cross that makes us a healer for our kids. And I think if we don't carry our cross and they're struggling, then we actually get in the way of their healing. And I think if we want to bring Christ to others, which really is the greatest gift in life, uh, is a relationship with God. Um, if we want to bring Christ to others, it has to begin by us allowing Christ to bring himself into our own lives. Uh, so I'm going to lead our, our, um, our viewers in a prayer right now. We're going to let them uh, welcome Jesus Christ into their lives this Christmas. Uh, and if you're listening to this prayer, you're going to participate in this prayer, uh, just recognize that, that Jesus, he's content coming into a manger. He doesn't need you to be sinless. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs you to be open. The manger was not the perfect place for a child, but it was good enough for God. And you might feel like, well, I'm not the perfect place for Christ. And trust me, you're good enough for God. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, I pray that you bless uh, all of us this Christmas season. Help us to welcome you into the midst of our mangers, into the midst of our imperfect circumstances. And, uh, and if you'd like to pray a, a prayer with us right now to welcome God into your circumstances, just repeat these words after me. Lord God, I invite you into my life now. I invite you into my imperfect and flawed circumstances. I invite you into my imperfect relationships. I invite you into my imperfect friends. I invite you into the lives of my imperfect family. Thank you, God, for being a God who is willing to come into imperfect circumstances. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you've prayed a prayer like that this Christmas, we merely believe that you've decided to consciously welcome and cooperate with the grace of your baptism. Now go and make a good confession. And then go and receive the Eucharist regularly this Christmas season and beyond so that you can continue to grow in your Catholic and personal relationship with God. Good can come out of this. <laughs> Let me just call my wife. I'm sure she'll see it that way. <laughs> God has a wonderful plan for this moment. She loves Jesus. It's going to be okay. But I, I think that's so important for us. Like your flaws in your family the flaws in the people around you are not getting in the way of Jesus coming into your life. They're actually the best place for him to come in because they're, they're a place to demonstrate that God loves unconditionally, that God can fit into the mess. And, and what a great gift to give your kids this Christmas.